Well, hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of a live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to get started with some music while we allow people online to jump on with us and for our audience here to get settled as well, too. Morning, Ronnie. And uh, we're going to get started with uh, the Oakwood University Aeolians, The Lord is Blessing Me. Thanks for being here this morning, everybody. It's 9.30. (laughs) Amen. Amen. It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. Hey, Ann, good morning. Good morning. Say Ann and Larry. Ann and Larry, good morning. Thanks for being here. And Miss Laura, that's right. Thank you for the reminder. That's why I have you. You have to help me out. Those things. Thank you. Oakwood University Aeolians. Aeolians. I have to say it. The Lord is blessing me. You are, Ronnie. You are our West Coast. 6.30 there, huh? All right now. I have to go back to putting 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. I have to go back to putting that. I stopped doing that for a hot minute. Glad you could make it, Ronnie. I'm going to trust it's a little bit warmer where you are than where we are. We had a nice crisp 19 degrees this morning here. But it's supposed to be uh, 50 for Thanksgiving, so we'll take we'll take the 50s. Amen. Amen. Oh, okay, Roscoe. I'll keep that off the air, that part, but you keep doing your own thing, sir. Ronnie, I I know it wasn't as cold. (laughs) It's not as cold in California as it is here. I already know that. It's, It's cold, but I'd rather have your cold than our cold. A reminder that the Lord is blessing us at all times. Amen. Because he woke me up this morning. That's right. Woke me up this morning. Amen. Amen. It's an easy song to remember. Amen. Amen. Starting a good tradition here with Sunday school. I like starting with music. That's a good tradition to start. Amen. Amen. 36. 
See, that's above freezing. That's the whole point. We are way below freezing. It'll be 50 later. That's good. Very good. Amen. All right. Making sure we stay on time here. Amen. on doing it. Oh, there's Miss Laura. She was on separately. Amen. Good morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going we're gonna to stop it there only because we want to get started with our Sunday school lesson, but uh, that was the Oakwood University Aeolians, the Lord is blessing me. We appreciate you being here this morning, no matter where you are, East Coast or West Coast. Uh, we appreciate your patronage, and we want to get into Sunday school here. A couple of announcements to make, too. Uh, we do have a message that is going to... Uh, play here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline immediately following our Sunday school class. The lesson is going to be the um, uh, on spiritual journey, the person of God. It is available online following the Sunday school class here on the timeline, the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page timeline. It will also be on the Akron Alliance Fellowship group page as well too. So we, we have it, it will be posting in both of those areas. But it will be available uh, immediately following the Sunday school, you'll be able to see it in the timeline. <clears throat> we also want you to please remember your tithes and offerings. We, we appreciate you always con- giving consideration and giving prayer to how you're going to contribute uh, because it is something that we, we call it part of the fellowship of uh, giving to the Lord, giving, giving him praise and allowing him to be able to help, uh, allowing him to be able to help. Well, he doesn't need our help. Let me, let me rephrase that. We need to be able to help others when it comes to benevolence and things like that. So, and also, t- and, and also taking care of what? The privilege of ministry. That's what I was trying to say, and I didn't say it very well. And that's why I have my wife because she's she needs to help me time time after time. Uh, <laughs> so, so we we appreciate you giving a prayer to that. We um, uh, want you if you are going to mail your tithes or offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate your consideration for that as well, too. And with that in mind, we're going to get started with Sunday School. We've got a few verses to cover today, and we've got... It's a really interesting discussion. This is going to be a a, a passage that I hope really gets you to think and consider uh, more and more about your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The passage we're covering today is the book of John, chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 30 through 47. And, of course, this is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus uh, that is covered in the book of John from chapters 2 through chapter 12. But in chapter 5, we've got the follow-up of the discussion that he has uh, after he has the communication uh, with the Pharisees about the healing of the the man at the pool and they were claiming that there was a violation of the Sabbath uh, where the man was carrying his mat and they were saying that that was actual work that shouldn't be taking place, which has nothing to do with anything with what Jesus is calling for when it comes to uh, being obedient to the Sabbath. Um, But it's important for us to look at how right after the communication where he basically equated himself with the Father. The Pharisees were all up in arms about that. And so we're continuing this discussion now. All of the dialogue for this particular passage is going to be Jesus speaking and making some statements about his ministry. 
And so with that in mind, we are going to go ahead and look to the Lord with prayer and we will get started. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given to us now to sit quietly and hear that you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for blessing us, getting us up this morning. We know, Lord, that we don't have uh, any control over the number of days we have. That's under your control. But we are thankful to be here because we know, Lord, that as we live for you, we can live in such a manner where we honor and glorify you. And Lord, may we live in such a manner where the things that we do, that we leave an impact on others as well too, that remember what we did on your behalf and that that carries with them as well too. We have that responsibility within the body of Christ and with anybody we come in contact with that we live and honor you. May the words that are used, Lord, in this lesson be your words and not mine. Lord, may the Spirit speak. We give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 5. Let's look at verses 30 through 47. We're going to cover uh, the passage that uh, it reads very quickly, and these are all Jesus' words making conversation or communication with whoever's in, in the audience there. And I'm going to guess that the Pharisees were there, other people were there, people who had gathered around to listen to Jesus speak. But he's going to talk about how there are witnesses to him uh, as to who he is. And he's going to mention some names that we'll cover also within this lesson and, and talk about and communicate with. For those here in the audience uh, here at the church, you're welcome to write down some notes uh, and we can have conversation about what you have covered, what we, we've covered here in the lesson today after Sunday school. That's how we do it here, and we appreciate you doing that. Those of you online, um, keep in mind that you can also put something in the comments as well, too. Uh, if you have questions, and I'll try to address those if I can uh, during the Sunday school class. So let's start with John chapter 5, verse 30. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and we will get started now. Verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus speaking. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist and his testimony about me was true. Verse 34. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. Verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. Verse 43. For I have come to you in my Father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other. other but, if you, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Verse 45. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Okay, that's John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. You'll notice at the end of the communication here, he was speaking directly to the Pharisees. Remember, the Pharisees are the ones who were the religious authority of the day 
And for Jesus to challenge this religious authority now was a real, uh, real poke at how they were operating. And so we want to recognize that too. And let's, let's be clear about something here too. Jesus could just as well be speaking to a lot of people today with this communication. He could be speaking to a lot of people in different churches today who have put their value in other things other than following Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we need to be conscious of here. We, we, we know that there's this back and forth, and, and the book of John features a lot of this communication where Jesus is defending himself or proclaiming who he is. But a lot of this rhetoric that's taking place here can very well be uh, put forth to our church today, our churches today. A lot of churches out there really don't deserve to be called churches. They're much more about meeting places. They're much more about gathering places. They're much more about, you can call them fellowship halls. But when it comes to really following Jesus Christ, it's not really happening. And we can tell that. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints made a public declaration when it came to this law that was codifying same-sex marriage saying that they were in favor of it. Well, that just doesn't make any sense, does it? But what we have to understand is that our churches today, some of our churches are compromising to the world's values right before our very eyes. And we're seeing these things taking place. And we don't need to think it's strange. We need to understand that this is really what has been prophesied over time. It's, it's actually coming to pass, the prophecies that are taking place today. So we need to really be conscious of that. Now let's go back to the top here, back to John chapter 5, verse 30. And Jesus is giving us information here about how he is sufficient witness to what he does, what he has, what he stands for, the acts that, he take, that takes place. F.B. Meyer wrote a comment about that. The one desire and purpose of our Lord was to do God's will, period. He, is, he was there to do God's will. He was there and present to live according to how God would have him to live. We can't understand everything as to how that was taking place, but clearly, so far as his human nature was concerned, he had a will which could be denied and subordinated to the Father's. He decided to follow the Lord's will. He made the decision, he made the conscious effort to follow the will of God and declare that before everyone. We see that back in verse 30, John chapter 5, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Let's take a look at another passage. Uh, Turn your Bible's electronic device you can hold where you are and go come back to it. John chapter 6, verse 38. Take a look at John 6, 38. And so Jesus is saying more than once about how he's there to not do his own will, but to do the will of his Father. And he's giving us this information. Verse 38 in John chapter 6, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Remember that. There's another passage we can look at very quickly. Luke 22, 42. Luke 22, 42. Now remember, Jesus was the only one we can speak about who is fully human and fully God at the same time. And yet, this passage shows his humanity coming out, but we need to see what's going on. Verse 42 of Luke 22. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus, in that moment, was soldiering on. He was doing exactly what the will of his father was. If it meant shame, it meant shame. It meant a breaking heart, a soul exceedingly sorrowful, the cry of the forsaken. But he never swerved. 
He never turned. He never pivoted from what he was setting out to do. The will of the Father. And we need to always keep that in mind. When we are questioning things in our own lives, we need to make sure that we're always doing the will of the Father. Jesus is teaching us that it's always not about Him. Of course, He was essentially exalted to the right hand of the Father, but this was beforehand. This was when He still had His ministry on earth. He's showing us how to live on this earth. Do the will of the Father and never turn from it, never relent from it. What we see all around us is people who are not doing the will of the Father. They're doing the will of themselves. They're following the crowds. They're following the woke agenda on this earth. Staying popular. There was a pastor who did the same thing. Some black church somewhere making a case for abortion from the pulpit. And that's just, you're, you're crossing over now outside of what God's will is when you're doing these things. Does everybody understand that? How important it is for us to remain steadfast in the faith that we have been brought up under, the faith that we understand, the faith that we've been taught. And no matter what anybody else is doing around you, you stand firm in the faith. You stay obedient to the will. Jesus clung to this will of the Father as to a handrail down the steep, dark staircase that led to Calvary. Let us live according to God's will. Why do we want to live according to God's will? Well, it feeds the Spirit. Take a look at John. Go back to John 4, 34. John chapter 4, verse 34. This is right after the disciples were asking if someone could bring Jesus something to eat. Jesus answered, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, finish his work. We're alive for a time to do what? God's work. He gives us a certain number of days to do what? His work. We're doing the work, the will of God in our lifetimes. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It clears the judgment, which we read in John chapter 5, verse 30. It gives rest and tranquility to the heart. Take a look at Matthew 11, verse 29. We're going to be looking at a few passages today just to affirm everything. We, it's good to always cross-reference and look at what other parts of the Scripture say about the point we're making about being obedient to God's will. Matthew 11, verse 29. Ah, here we go. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. Amen. Find rest for yourselves. We've talked about sometimes we need rest, don't we? We've been very busy a lot of things are happening. For some of us folks who are retired around here, I don't know how busy. You guys are so busy. You've got a bunch of stuff to do and you're supposed to be resting. Well, that's <laughs> the reality is, is that the only re real rest comes from the, the rest that the Jesus gives us. Rest in the Father. And boy, we sometimes, when it's time to hit the pillow at night, it's great. It's a great feeling, isn't it? But we know we've got to get up and get after it all over again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But that's my point. We find rest in Jesus. In the Psalms, it says the righteous run into that tower and you're safe. There's safety in the Father. There's safety in Jesus. And we have the key of certain and assured knowledge. Uh, go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. These are all things we're going to be covering in the next few weeks because it's ahead of where we are right now. But John chapter 7, look at verse 17. Ah, here we go. 
John chapter 7, verse 17. If anyone wants to do his will, he will understand whether the teaching is from God or if I am speaking on my own. And, and Jesus is saying that his teaching is, isn't mine, but it's from the one who sent me. He's referring to the fact that what he's teaching is what the Father has given to him to say. And the Holy Spirit that dwells within every believer is getting what? Instruction from none other than the Father. Instruction. So we are being taught continuously about how important it is for us to stay in the Lord's will. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here. And what does this do? It introduces us into a great circle of others who in the past and present, in heaven and on earth, are living with the same purpose. Guess who else was living with the same purpose? Moses was living with the same purpose. John the Baptist was living with the same purpose. All the old prophets that we read about in Scripture were living with the same purpose. Obedience to God's will. We're in that group of people. Billy Graham. Past, present, future. We're all having the same purpose of following God's will. And that's important for us to see. And Jesus cited the allies, John the Baptist, in John chapter 5, verse 6. We don't have to go back to that. He mentioned him there, John chapter 5, verse 39. And Moses was referenced later on in the passage here in John chapter 5, verse 45. This is the best life policy we could have. Be in the same company as John the Baptist. Be in the same company as Moses. Be in the same company of those, Elijah, all those who are following the Lord. God's will, God's will is goodwill and His love is endless and changeless. God's will is always going to be His will, but whatever God's will is, it's good for us. Amen? It's good for us. So why would you want to deviate from that? Why would you want to walk away? Are you looking now at not yourself, but looking at how popular you are before other people? Are you looking at fitting in with the crowd outside? Are you looking at standing out to try to be different? So now you're in the company of those who are involved with false teaching. Because that's where you are. You're in company with them. And it's interesting how the Bible warns all throughout the New Testament. Once you get past the four Gospels, it all talks about false teachers. Because they were happening back then. Even Jesus was gone, barely gone for a little while, and here come the false teachers. So what does that say about today? Should we really think that what's happening today is so weird and strange? Absolutely not. It's not weird or strange at all. It is something that God has spoken through the prophets. It's been talked about. And there were egregious things that were taking place back in the day, too. When you're reading some of the, 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 the prophets with the smaller books like Amos and, and look at the things that were taking place back then, there were egregious things happening back then. We talk about the things that happen today in the world. There were those same things happening back then and, and maybe we can even argue much worse. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. And God says He has a judgment waiting for those people who choose to live in such a manner where they are outside of His will and in fact inflicting harm and chaos and murder and mayhem on other people. They have a reward coming. But I don't want to be in the camp of a false teacher or a false prophet. Let's go back to John chapter 5, verse 31. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. Now remember, he's having this conversation with the Pharisees. And back in the previous lesson that we covered, Jesus was claiming to be equal with God. 
That was mentioned in, go back to John chapter 5, verse 18, just as a reminder. John chapter 5, verse 18. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their own way of looking at things, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So that's the reminder that John is telling us that that's what was happening here. And so he reaffirms this information further on uh, in this particular lesson. And he also mentioned that he was the one who gave eternal life. That's back in verse 24 that we discussed as well too. John chapter 5, verse 24. I'm in the wrong chapter, hold on. John chapter 5, verse 24. I assure you anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Well, that's just throwing down the gauntlet, isn't it? Jesus is making the statement that he is the way to eternal life. And he affirms that again in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's making that declaration over and over. The book of John does this all throughout its text. Amen? So we want to remember that and keep that in mind. And he's also saying that he is the source of life in verse 26 of John chapter 5. I assure you, you are looking... Well, that's the wrong chapter. I've got to keep going back and forth here. John chapter 5, verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. Another declaration, and he also judges sin. That's the next verse over. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. So he's making this declaration before the Pharisees and for all who are listening and for all of the readers and those who look at his word. Jesus is the center of it all. He has complete control over our lives, our very existence, our souls, all these things that we hold in the present. He is responsible. He is the one that has this ability. So, with these statements, he's making that claim that he is divine. He's divine. Which, if you're the Pharisee standing in front of him, that's an amazing claim to make, isn't it? An unbelievable claim. How can he dare to say what he's saying? You see why the Pharisees hated him as much as they did. He was the very threat to their own religious authority. He was the threat. But who supported this? John the Baptist. John the Baptist made the claim and the statement that he was indeed the Messiah. And what you're going to be reading later on, if you look at this passage, the religious leaders, if you... Let's, let's go back to where we were and just read down a little bit and just reaffirm this. Verse 32, But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you send investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. That's what I said, John the Baptist. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. So, he's telling people, different people have to see if they just go back and look at the information and corroborate it, John the Baptist already told you that he's the Messiah. And John the Baptist is a faithful witness. And guess what John the Baptist is doing? He's speaking the words that he's given to speak by the Lord himself. The testimony is true. Now Jesus is saying he doesn't need human witnesses but he's saying that because who is he dealing with? Human beings. He's dealing with us. We sometimes have to do what? Have corroboration. We have to have corroboration sometimes. What everybody in this room should be doing, everybody online should be doing, is that when you hear a message or hear something from a pastor or someone speaking in the pulpit, go back and check it out to see for yourself. That's what they did, the Bereans did, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Corroboration is in God's Word. Corroboration is in seeking the Lord, 
and praying about what you've heard. Do you realize if you ask the Lord for help and testing Him and for for greater understanding, He's going to give it to you? But sometimes you have to ask Him. And sometimes we need the corroboration. It's okay. He will never refuse that. He will never say, boy, you're a dope because you're asking for corroboration or you need help. He'll never do that. He'll welcome you to ask those questions. We should all be asking those questions. We should all be seeking the Lord in our own way. We all have different ways of understanding. We all have different ways of thinking. And goodness knows, you know, for some people like me who have mild ADD, you know, I, I got the clicky pen thing here. I don't, you know, when I use this thing, I don't even realize I'm doing it sometimes. I'm clicking this thing, I'm turning it, I'm rotating it, but it allows me to focus. We all learn differently. Nothing wrong with that. We're all created differently. We're different people. Ask the Lord for corroboration. Ask the Lord for confirmation. Pray about these things. Amen? That's what we should all be doing. Let's continue. Verse 35, back in John chapter 5. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. My teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that he sent me. Some people had to hear Jesus' teaching. Some people had to see him perform miracles to understand who he was. Why? We're all different. We're all different. But the effect, the end result, is the same. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the true Messiah. So whether we understood it from his teaching or whether we understood it because of the miracles he performed, the same thing was accomplished. The Father gave me these works to accomplish and they proved that he sent me. That was in verse 36. Then verse 37, And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me. Now here we go. The one he sent to you. This is a direct comment to the Pharisees. And it's also a challenge at the same time. You Pharisees are supposed to be so big and bad when it comes to your religious practices. Yet you don't even believe God's word that was proclaimed. Verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. It's a direct comment about who Jesus is. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Let's stop there for a second. So, the religious leaders, the people who were supposedly in charge, they failed to know and understand what the Bible was telling them already. What the scriptures were saying. What the prophets had told them. They didn't apply the word to their lives. Now, this is an an indictment against anybody who knows or understands God's word but doesn't live according to God's word. We got people today that are doing that. We have people out in the world today, different places who are not living according to God's word, who profess to be teachers of God's word or people who have authority. That's an indictment against all of them. Not just the Pharisees, everybody. That also applies to people here in the modern day. They knew the teachings of the Scriptures but failed to see the Messiah to whom the Scriptures pointed. They knew the rules. They were really good with making rules too. But they missed out on following the Savior, recognizing the Savior. They were entrenched in their own religious system They refuse to let the Son of God change their lives. We have a lot of religious systems today where the leadership elevates themselves rather than pointing people to Christ. What an indictment. 
What an accusation. But yet, if we are honest, we know that this is a true accusation for what's taking place today. If you were to do church shopping just for fun, I guarantee you'll go to a lot of different churches and you'll see the same crud in some of those churches. How do you like that word, crud? Where it's not following Jesus. We have people who have come to our church now because they didn't like what other churches were doing. They were putting the emphasis on fellowship but not in following Christ. We don't need that. When God says a remnant is going to be what's left, I really believe that. A remnant. Those who are true followers of Jesus Christ. Because you see people, you see different churches, different places falling into what the world is teaching. We've already got churches that are following their own way of doing things. They're all Pharisees but they're not following Jesus. Jesus is the one who can change your life. Don't become so involved in religion that you miss Christ. A lot of people miss Christ. Let's go back to John chapter 5, verse 41. Got to move this along here. Wow, your approval means nothing to me, Jesus says, because you know, I know you don't have God's love within you. Jesus, what did it say early on? Jesus knows the hearts of every person that he's talking to. He knows those who love him and he knows those who don't. What does Jesus know about you? Does he know that you love him? When he, would he say that to you if he looked at you? Is there a love for Jesus? Whose praise do you seek? The religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, they were looking for prestige. They were looking for importance. They were looking to be elevated. They liked the hand grasping. They liked having that type of fellowship around them. They liked being important for those reasons because they had knowledge. But that meant nothing to Jesus. Jesus was more concerned about the approval of God doing his will. That's the principle we need to live by. Even when it's unpopular, you live for Jesus anyway. Even when it's unpopular, you live for Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Satan is going to make it very unpopular for a lot of us to follow Jesus. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But you have to stand. Because it's going to be very unpopular. I would much rather be on the side where God approves of the way I'm living and what I'm doing rather than following the crowd. I'd much rather be in the camp, like I said, the camp with the Moseses and the camp with the Elijahs and the Isaiahs and all. I'd much rather be in that camp, the Jeremiahs. I want to be in that camp rather than being in this place where, oh, I'm so popular. Look at me. Look at the likes on Facebook. Oh, look at me on Twitter. I've got hundreds of followers because of what I say. But that, that's like a drunkenness that overcomes certain people. They like popularity. They don't care about where they're at. That pastor that was speaking about abortion in the pulpit, God will strike people dead sometimes. I, I, I'm just waiting for something like that to happen one day. Because he knows that's not what he was taught. But oh, they're going to love him on YouTube. A lot of us live today for likes and clicks. I'm going to tell you something right now. We don't do this for likes and clicks. And we don't expect a lot of likes and clicks. We do it to get out the gospel. 
We do it to proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ. We don't do it for any other reason. Because we're not going to get a lot of likes and clicks. We'll get people who look at our, our videos for three seconds at a time or whatever it is and they'll turn them off and they'll go somewhere else. Because Facebook can actually track that. They know how many views you've had for three seconds. And, oh, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to move on to something else. We don't do it for that reason. You know what we do? We do it for one person. If it means them hearing the truth. And that's why we do it. Verse 43. For I have come to you in my Father's name and you have rejected me, yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. Yeah, they'll, they'll welcome anybody else who affirms them. Verse 44. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Verse 45, Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed in Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? The Pharisees were priding themselves on being the followers of their ancestor Moses. They mentioned Moses all the time. They were trying to follow every one of his laws to letter, and they even added some of their own, which was a problem. But Jesus warned them that Moses would accuse them of being untruthful, being false. You weren't worthy. And that, I'm sure, ticked off the Pharisees quite a bit. Moses wrote about Jesus. You want to know where? Go to Genesis 3.15. One of Brother Beecher's favorite chapters in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 15. You know I had to do that, right? Genesis 3, verse 15. <laughs> when I saw it, when in preparation, I said, oh yeah, we're going to get that. Genesis 3, verse 15. Now, who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Moses. Moses is the author of the first five books. And Moses wrote about Jesus. Verse 15. I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Whose heel? Jesus. It's referring to Jesus. Here's another example. Go to Numbers 21.9. Numbers 21.9. Now remember, the Pharisees should have had these first five books down pat, right? They knew the teachings. They knew what was being said. And we don't have time to cover all of this, but I'm just going to give you something to work with you can look at this up on your own too. Verse 9, So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Now what is that referring to? Jesus was put up on a pole, put up on the cross, but it's the symbolism that if you look to Jesus, he's the healer. He's the one who forgives sin. He's the one that we look to. So this is a symbolic statement and we don't have time to cover all of that but go back and look at this on your own and if you look at, at even um, Numbers okay I looked at Numbers 20, Numbers 24.17 I think also re references that too. Uh, Balaam answered Balak didn't I previously tell the messengers you sent me? And Jesus was sent to do what? Come and be recognized as a Messiah and die on the cross for forgiveness of our sins. Okay. But the religious leaders refused to believe Jesus when he came. So, what Jesus is referring to here at the end of this passage that we were looking at was that the Pharisees had already rejected God. They had already rejected his teachings. They had already rejected the very Messiah that was standing right in front of them. 
And they made that declaration. And that's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't care that he was this so-called Messiah. Satan was in the hearts of those Pharisees. He was driving their way of thinking. So even though the Jews accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath, he didn't make an issue out of that. He was much more important for Jesus to talk specifically about how they rejected him. How they weren't following the teaching. What's the lesson for us today? We need to trust in Jesus. Trust in his word. Trust in his teaching. If the miracles make you believe, that's fine too. The teaching is there, but the witnesses are already spoken. He's saying that John the Baptist spoke for him, but he also, guess what? He also said he speaks for himself because he's being obedient to the Father. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name in John chapter 5, verse 43. He is not acting on his own authority. He came because God put him in that position and he came on the authority of the Lord. We want to make sure that we're following Jesus. We want to make sure that we're following his teaching. God's word is there for us for confirmation all throughout the scriptures. All 66 books of the Bible point to Jesus Christ. And yes, for those who don't read the Old Testament, that includes the Old Testament. It's all there. And we saw some examples of that in scripture. Let's be Bereans. Let's go back and learn more about Jesus on our own. Learn about his word. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching and your confirmation. Jesus came not on his own authority. And Lord, we don't want to act on our own authority. We want to follow you. We want to follow your word. We want to follow your will. We want to live in such a manner where we are being obedient to you. Lord, the popular people out there want to do what they think is going to help them to get more and more notoriety. And all they're doing is condemning themselves and putting others under condemnation. May we not live in such a way, Lord, where we are just doing anything for popularity. We're doing it because we want to be obedient to you. Teach us, O oh Lord. Help us along day by day. Strengthen us. Help us to remain steadfast. We just want to give you the thanks. We want to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another edition of Livestream Sunday School. We appreciate you being here this morning. Stay tuned online for the message that follows Sunday School. And for those of you who are coming to church, we'll see you in Akron. And for those of you also who are not able to make it, look for us online with our message as well, too. Take care of yourselves, everyone. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.